Awesome. I got it. All right. Good evening, everybody. Um, tonight we're going to do Tehillim Kufchav Ches, which the Malbin believes continuation from Tehillim Kufchav Zion, which we learned yesterday. So if you were here yesterday, then you'll see maybe how it's a continuation. If you were not here yesterday, don't worry. You're going to be totally okay when we do Tehillim Kufchav Ches. You'll also notice that there's only two pages on the source sheet. You notice, right? So um, that's not because I did anything different. It's just because that's how it came out. So let's see how that goes. Um, so everybody ready? Let's let's do this thing. Kilim Kuf Chavches, Psalm one twenty eight. David Melech says, "Shira Malov, right? The song of ascent. Ashrei Kol Yirei Adonai Yaholech Bidracha. Praiseworthy are those who walk, who fear God, right? Who walk in His path. Yagia Kapecha Kitocha Lashrecha Betovlach. You eat the the um the the Yagia the um the the hard work. The what? What'd you say? Yeah. What comes? No, the hard work. Because, yeah, yeah, the work of your hands. It means like you, you work hard, you, right? You, and then you enjoy, you enjoy that which you, that which you work for. So praiseworthy for you. And that's, and that's good for you. It was very sad for me. I, did anybody, has anybody been getting these uh, messages about like farmers down, you know, in Atifat Aza who like can't harvest their, their, their crops? You know, I have not been able to go down there, but like, I really feel like, that's like a tremendous thing. We got this, uh, we got this, I felt terrible about it because I saw it too late. We got this message last week about some some farmer selling pineapples. I got it too late and I couldn't order, but I felt like we have to order those. You know, does anybody understand what I'm saying? Like that that kind of like emotion, you know? I, I remember this was just um, two years ago, two years ago, a year and change. No, it was a, a year and change ago when we were going through Shemitah. And I remember that there was all these farmers who were obviously not harvesting, you know, their stuff. And there was discussion what we're going to do. And, it was, and nobody remembers. And now, um, uh, and now this is totally, totally different for totally different reasons. Um, has anybody done that, by the way? Has anybody like gone to, to volunteer on a farm for a day? There's like all these things. No, I'm not the only one getting these messages. What? In Kvartzion, right here, there's a place. Mamash, right here. Mamash right here. Wow. Yeah, right. And I assume that they actually need the labor. This is not like exploitation of free labor and stuff like that. I mean, right, you know? Right? You have this. It's funny. I was listening to Russia Weiss this week, and he told me, and he, he told me, Russia said, he wasn't talking to me, right? He said that somebody told him that he could make a lot of money. You know, like all Russia has to do is say that, you know, I'm collecting some money for whatever and, you know, the whatever. And then you send some of the money down there and the rest can all go into your Mossad, you know, all into your, uh, you know, whatever. And so he said, we would never do something like that. You know, like, what? Well, and I hope that everybody's, uh, I hope that everybody's like that, you know, uh, but, but I don't know. I feel for these farmers. I feel like, you know, like I, I've not been able to do it. And it's like a whole day to be able to take a whole day. And so, okay, fine. Maybe, I don't know, but, um, but I don't know something. Uh, okay, but now is harvest for a lot of, for a lot of stuff here. So in any it means that you work hard and that which your hands produce, you get to eat. That is praiseworthy and it is, and it is good for you. That your wife will be like a, a grapevine that's uh, producing grapes. Biarkisebesecha inside of your house, Banecha Kishusilezim, your children will be like um uh, branches of uh, of olives, Savivla Shokanecha around your, your table. I'm sure everybody's thinking right now, why is your wife like grapevines and why are your children like olives? And we'll get there, obviously, right? But uh but I'm sure everybody's automatically, right? I'm saying you read, read a bus like that. What was what, what does any of that mean? Right? Okay, so we'll get there shortly. Kine, behold, Kichen Yuvorach Gever Yere Adonai, such. 
are the blessings, um, or is blessed, I will see as a machlokas, right, uh, of he who fears God. You will be blessed from God, from Zion, and see in the goodness of Yerushalayim all of the days of your life. And you will see uh, children to your children, which means grandchildren. Literally, I you know you'll see grandchildren. Let's keep it simple. Shalom al Yisrael, peace unto uh, unto Israel. It's a very lovely paragraph. No, I'm saying it's all positive stuff. We've seen some paragraphs, in, you know, in the past few weeks of Tehillim where David Amelach is crying and he's screaming, and and he, this is a very upbeat kind of uh, kind of parak of of Tehillim. He says, right, uh, praiseworthy. Is somebody who walks in, oh, uh, my summary, right? Summary, sorry, sorry, right, top of sentence, summary, right? Praiseworthy is somebody who walks in uh, in God's path and he has great stuff. He has great stuff, right? He gets to eat the fruits of his labor, which is which is amazing, right? He has a, a fine family, a wife and uh, and children, and he gets to see in the good of Yerushalayim and he gets to see his grandkids. And I mean, like, really, no? Thumbs up, right? All around, I agree. So, so let's look in the words of the Rishonim and the Akronim and uh, try to gain a deeper understanding into the tefillah David HaMelech is, um, is, is teaching us. Everybody ready? Let's let's go. Start with the Radak. So Yirei Hashem. All right? So you'll notice in the first in the first Pasuk, if you look at the first Pasuk, this is what the Rishonim are keying in on. Right? He says, Shira Malos, Ashrei means praiseworthy. And then there seems to be two different groups of people. Did we notice that? The Rishonim, they read with like a fine-tooth comb. Yeah. There is Ashrei who? Who is praiseworthy? Kol Yirei Hashem, Haholech Bidrachav. Right? All those who fear God, who walk in his path. Is that the same group of people? Can you do one without the other? Can you fear God and not walk in his path? Can you walk in his path and not fear God? Does that have to come together? Does everybody understand what the Rishonim are, are keying in on? Appears to be two different things here. All those who fear God and all those who walk in his path. So if you look at the Radak, the Radak writes, Yorei Hashem, what does it mean those who fear God? It's talking about people who do not do the negative commands of the Torah. Meaning, the Torah says uh, not to eat uh, non-kosher food. I don't eat non-kosher food. The Torah says not to wear shotneys. I don't wear shotneys. Right? What else does the Torah say that we're not supposed to do? The Torah says not to do malacha on Shabbos. I don't do malacha on Shabbos. The Torah says a lot of things. Yeah? Right? Whatever the Torah says not to do, I don't do it. What is that called? Yorei Hashem. To fear to fear God. That also makes a little bit of sense, yes? Right? In other words, if somebody fears God, so which are the mitzvahs that they will be more naturally inclined to perform properly? The ones that carry punishment. Um, if I'm afraid, if I'm operating miyira, I'm operating out of out of fear, so then it, it makes sense that the mitzvahs that I'm going to be cautious of and careful of, that I'm going to be fearful of because I am operating from Yira Hashem, are going to be the mitzvahs loses say. So the Radak writes that when David Amalek says, Ashrei kol yirei Hashem, what he really means to say, what he's saying is praiseworthy are those who have fear God. What does that mean, those who fear God? Those who do not violate the negative commands of the Torah. That is praiseworthy. Then he says, Haholech bidrachav, who walk in God's path. What does it mean to walk in God's path? The Radak says, Haholech bidrachav, hazayur saying somebody who does the positive commands of the Torah. So the Torah says, um, I'm supposed to daven. That's not locus between the Rambam and the Ramban. But let's assume that the Torah says like the Rambam, right? The Torah says that I'm supposed oh, That's a lie what I just said. No, everybody agrees that you're supposed to daven. Everybody agrees. The question is, when do you have to daven? That's the only argument. The Rambam thinks you have to daven once every day. That's what the Rambam thinks. The Ramban thinks that you have to daven based sorrow. You have to daven in trying times. Now, this is interesting thought experiment for a second. Who believes you have to daven more, the Rambam or the Ramban? In quantity, forget quality. 
quantity. So I think classically, people always thought that the Rambam thinks you need to daven more because the Rambam thinks you need to daven every day. The Rambam thinks it's only if I'm in the Eitzara, so meaning that there are times where I don't have to daven. But it could very well be that the Ramban actually thinks that I need to daven more than the Rambam. How could that be? I'm always in an Eitzara. If I'm always in an Eitzara, that means I always have to daven. So it could be, right, that the Ramban actually believes that there is more of a quantitative requirement to daven than the Rambam does that. I don't know. It's an open question. I'm saying I could just tell you what everybody says. The Rambam says that you have to daven once every day. That's the Rambam's opinion. It's a biblical command. The Ramban believes it's a biblical command to daven, but only when we're in times of Sarah. So how often is that? I don't know. I'm not sure. So it could be more. It could be, it could be less. They tell a story. I think of Rav Chaim Brisker. I think that's I think that's uh, who it's from. I think so, but maybe it's the Grizz or Beitzvik Zevalevi Salavechik. Uh, all the the Salavechiks. I get confused sometimes. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I apologize. But they tell a story um, that uh, that during like conversation, you'd be like talking to him, and somebody would say something that's difficult, and he would just stop in the middle of the conversation, and he would say a tefillah, like in the middle of conversation, like somebody would say something, and he would like feel a you know like a pain you know, of pain because of whatever that person just told him that was difficult, and he would just say a tefillah right there. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. I was like, that's so awkward. It's so weird. What does that mean? He's going to stop. He's going to say a tefillah. So what he used to say, he used to say was a three-word tefillah. It's a prayer from Yaakov Avinu. Yeah, he used to say, That's what Yaakov Avinu. No, which means that, uh, God, I am hoping for your salvation. That was the tefillah. And they used to say it quietly, softly, in the middle of conversation. People might not even realize. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know. I'm not sure. But when something used to happen, he used to just say to himself, I got to pray for your salvation. And that's like a fulfillment of this opinion of the Ramban. Like whenever you feel like there might be like a, a hint of a tzara, like a, a hint of something difficult, you say tefillah right there. The Ramban doesn't say what that tefillah has to look like. It doesn't say it has to be all Shemon Esri. You say all of the tehillim and all of the Shia Malas. No, it's a small tefillah. You could say it in your own language, in your own words or whatever it is. And uh, and uh, one of the Salavajiks, I don't remember, Sir Chaim, I don't remember, it's a great, I'm sorry, I apologize. But that was his person. He used to just say this three words tefillah. It's a good one, by the way. No, he's saying you say it, sure. So it's easy to remember. It's also very powerful. It's not like, uh, you know, what I, you know, um, there is a there is a fellow up here in Shul. I don't even know his name, and it's so embarrassing. I know I know who his family is, and I can say it's so embarrassing because he sits in my vicinity, and um, and uh, and and I and this is embarrassing for me, but I'm going to tell a story anyway, right? Um, uh, and uh, and throughout the tefillah, throughout the tefillah, in the middle of the tefillah, all over the tefillah, throughout the tefillah, right? He says constantly, constantly, he just says. Hashem ozi amo yitain, Hashem rech no shidam say like that, and I don't mind saying God's name in this concept and say it. So he says, Adonai ozi amo yitain, Adonai yivrech no shidam. Throughout, constantly, throughout the throughout the tefillah. It's like his tefillah. I don't know. He's living in Okay, fine. Different parts of the tefillah. Okay, but uh, but you know, uh, um, I don't know. You ever, you ever anybody ever you ever, you ever hear him? It's just me because he sits right next to me. You never like in the middle of Shlomo's, like in the middle of talking sometimes, you know, and so you know, you know. And whatever, right? Okay, fine. But there's something very beautiful about that, you know. And, it's like, and I always say, I mean, well, if I can talk at that point in the davening, I can't always because sometimes the part in the tefillah where I can't respond, you know. But uh, but if it's in part of the tefillah that I can respond, I say, I say, uh, I say, I mean, you know. Um, that's a new thing for me over here. Right? Since I came to Israel, you know, answering a main to like everything, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's like a new thing for me. I don't know that I I didn't uh, I was not in such a custom before I uh, before I came here. Now it's like you know, you know everything. You know, that's how, so it is, right? But but back to the story that's that's for back to the story that's for us, right? So um so somebody goes in the positive command. That's how I got into davening, right? So so the so the Torah says that we're supposed to daven, rambam rambam, right? Whatever that uh, whatever that requirement is. So uh so the person uh, the person davens. The Torah says uh, 
um, what a, oh, the Torah says that you're supposed to wear tzitzit. I'm wearing tzitzit right now, right? Um, that was uh, very, very lovely for me this week. I, uh, I, uh, I taught Chaim, is, uh, is my eight-year-old son. I taught Chaim how to tie tzitzit because they had all of these tzitzit tying, you know, for the, for the soldiers. So we took two pairs. We couldn't come in the hours that they had here. I know what you're all thinking. They're here like all day. I don't go whatever. It didn't work out for us. But I took two pairs and um, I brought them home and uh, and I taught Chaim how to tie the tzitzit. He never tied them before. And, um, uh, and so he finished tying his uh, his first pair. We told him that it was for the it was for the chayalim. And then uh, and then he said to me, um, he said, "Can I give them? Can I give them to Jacob? Jacob is a cousin of ours. He's uh, he's serving. He's now down in the south. You know, well, he lives in Renana. He's a cousin of ours. And Mike, he's Mike, he's eight years old. And Mike, he had what well, he was like thinking. You know, like, oh, I know some chayalim. You know, that's I mean, that, that's a crazy thing for everybody here. I'm saying like, no, I'm saying like everybody knows chayalim. Everybody knows. It's a, it's a it's like a, it's like a why I was talking to a power earlier today. A power was in school today. She was actually in the building today, right? You know, for the first time, she was back in the building. You know, um, what was that? Amen. Exactly right. The first time she was back in the building, and Atara was telling me when she got home from school, she said that you know, like we had this thing with my teachers, and we were talking, and like these are these are my teachers. They're like good people, and they're just uh, like whatever. And this one has four kids in the army, and this one has five kids in the army, and this one has an, you know, it's just like you know, um. So, I'm looking around the table and like there's people here I know who have families that are serving right now. So like I, you know, it's like uh it's a it's a wild kind of of construct, but but uh you know, like place to like mentally be. But uh, but in any event, um this is where we have to be. So uh so this is this is where we are. Um but uh, but the Torah tells us to do positive commands. And so uh so um the Yare Hashem is somebody who fears God, he doesn't violate the negative commands. The holy Bidrachav is somebody who does the positive commands. Now Obviously, you could have one without the other. Yes, yes. You could have somebody who doesn't violate the negative command. I would never, I would never violate one of the negative commands. But I'm not so careful about fulfilling the positive commands. Like, let's say, I don't know, I would never eat non-kosher, but I don't wear tefillin every day, right? You know, is that you know, possibility? Yes, everybody's with me here. Yeah, right. Um, uh, uh, or you could have the opposite. You could have the opposite, right? People who like are seeking this, uh, you know, spiritual fulfillment in the positive commands, and I. Very meticulous about doing all of the positive commands, but whatever, you know. I don't, I don't know if I. Uh, what do I do on Shabbos? That's like, you know, not a big deal. <laughs> Very funny, yeah. But I use my phone on Shabbos because, like, whatever, it's not such a big deal, you know. Uh, whatever, I'm trying to keep it, you know, uh, you know, a certain level over here, all right? You know, right? I have standards, right? Okay, fine. But um, but but in any event, right? Um, so this guy that David Amelech is talking about, Ashrei Kol Yirei Adonai Aholich Vidrachav. Is somebody who does both. Both has equal commitment to the positive commands and to the negative commands. I saw something really interesting. Rabbi Zalman Sarutskin, this sefer um, uh, Oznayim Latora on uh, on on Tehillim. I actually don't have a copy of it, so uh, I could not um, and I couldn't find access to it online. I apologize. I couldn't give you the actual source here in the in in the sheet. Um, I saw it because when I was learning with my daughters earlier this week at Linden Mound, they have a copy in the Beit Midrash there, which is strange because. The library that I have in my house is significantly bigger than the library that they have in Lindenbaum. But this volume they have, and I don't. And so, uh, and so that's that's how it worked out, which is advantage for us because I got to see something that otherwise I would not have got to have seen. However, I couldn't give it to you here. And so what I did was I gave you the primary source on which his commentary is is based. Does that does that make sense? And he points out, Razam Sereskin, he points out that if you look at this pasuk, there's these two different categories of people, the Yare Hashem and there's the Holy Fidrachah, the guy who doesn't do the negative commands and the guy who does do the positive commands, but who comes first? See, when I said this, when I when I learned this with Kayla the first time, she said, no, I don't like that question. Because it would have been written the other way around. He would have asked, well, who comes first? Right? 
Okay, and I said to Kayla, I was like, yes, but it is written this way for a reason, presumably, right? So we have to explain why the Yorei Hashem comes first and the Holech Bidrachav comes second. They're both there, yeah, but one comes first and one comes second. So Rizam Saratskin, he thought that, that we could understand this based on Mishnah and Tehirke Yavos and Perek Gimel. That's the next source that we have. Rabbi Chinina Bendosa Omer, Rabbi Chinina Bendosa said, Kosha Yerascheto Kedemes Lechachmaso, Chachmaso Mishayemes. Anybody who's Yerascheto, anybody who's fear of sin, comes before his Chachma. Right? In other words, we, we could act in different ways. We could act from fear of sin. Like I, I'm, I, I'm cautious about what I do because I'm fearful, right? The violating God's command. Or I could act out of my Chachma. What does that mean that I act out of my Chachma? Right? It means that I've thought about this and I think this is a good idea. Now, both are positive. Both are good things. Both are good ways to act. But Yiraschet is supposed to come before Chachma. Why is Yiraschet supposed to Oh, well, let's, let's finish the Mishnah first. Right? So anybody who's Yiraschet comes before his Chachma. His chachma will endure. His chachma will, will stand for him. But anybody whose chachma comes before his yiraschet, his chachma will not stand. His chachma will fall. Why should that be? Why does yiraschet need to come before chachma? If we can use different terms that the Mishnah does not use, but some of the Rishonim do use, why does Oved Hashem Meira have to come before Oved Hashem Meava, even if Oved Hashem Meava is a greater uh, achievement? Then the Oved Hashem Meirah. Does all that make sense? What I what I just said. So why should that be? This will be the audience participation part of the program. Ah, and what what could or will happen if that's my my primary mode? Yeah, right. If my Chachma comes first and my Yiraschet is secondary, there could or probably will come a point somewhere, right, with some mitzvah where I'll say in my Chachma. I'm not so sure about this. This one doesn't make so much sense. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. And if my chachma comes before my yiraschet, I might stumble at that point. But if my yiraschet comes first, right, then even if I reach a point where my chachma cannot grasp it, I just, I, I don't get it. But my yiraschet is primary, so then I won't stumble, right? I might not be at a shlemos of fulfillment here because I have questions, right? Uh, so I might not be at shlemos of fulfillment, but I won't stumble. I'll stand because my Yerashchei comes first. And so back to our Pasuk. Shira Malos, Ashrei Kol Yerei Adonai Aholech Bidrachav. David Melech is saying a lot in this Pasuk. What is he saying? He's saying, praiseworthy is somebody who follows the following path, develops first Yerashchei, and then builds on top of that Avas Hashem. So he is Sur and he is Aseto. He shields himself from doing evil, and he propels himself forward by doing good. Praiseworthy is such a person. Now, I guess once you know who that person is, it's not such a big deal to say praiseworthy is such a person. It's like saying Lancelot is a good dude. You know what I mean? Once you, no, nobody, Lancelot. Okay, fine, whatever, right? Once you, uh, once you have this paradigm, this, uh, this uh, fellow who is both Yorei Hashem and also Oved Me'ava, so Ashrei, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, praiseworthy is such a guy, right? Okay, fine. But David Melech is going to describe for us a little bit of the the benefits of of the, of living this kind of life, a kind of life which is Surmeira, which is Yorei Hashem, right? Which fears God, stays away from the negative commands, and is and is and is Aseto, right? And is performing good is Holech Bedrachav. What what are the benefits? What what does this guy get? He gets Pasuk Bet. Cut it out, please. Yagia kapecha, both of you. No, no, no. It's not that. It's the combination. Stop it. Leave me alone. I said enough. Thank you. 
יגיע כפיך כי תאכל, אשריך וטוב לך. יגיע כפיך כי תאכל, that you, you get to eat the fruits of your labor, אשריך וטוב לך, right? That is praiseworthy and it is good for you. So if you look um, in the next section of the source, you get to eat the fruits of your labor. Um, if you look in the Malbim, the Malbim writes, the Malbim writes, meaning David HaMelech is now shifting to the benefits. And the first benefit that David HaMelech is going to talk about is the, the, the physical benefit. The physical benefit to living this kind of lifestyle. You get to eat the fruits of your labor. And listen to what the Malbim writes. אם יגיע כפך ירק בשיעור שתאכל. If the, the Pasuk said, יגיע כפך כי תאכל, right? The, the fruits of your labor, כי תאכל. What does כי תאכל mean? Ah. What? That you eat? Is that, is that what you said, Lisa? That you will eat? Okay, fine, right? Listen to what the Malvin is, is learning like this. יגיע כפך רק בשיעור שתאכל. Somebody who lives this kind of lifestyle, somebody who's living, יורי השם והולך בדרכיו, Right? What does his yagia kapecha, his his labor, his yagia kapecha, what is it intended to achieve and accomplish? Hitocha. Why is this guy working? He's working because he needs to eat. He's working to take care of himself. Shalot and his family. Shalotiga lehe ashir ulaharbo's home. He is not working to amass riches and to become very wealthy. That's not his goal. That's not his purpose. Right? Why is he going to work? going to work because I have to take care of my family, right? I'm not going to work to amass uh, tremendous amounts of wealth. Does everybody understand how the Malvin gets that? So that he'll be able to, to live, to sustain, sustain himself and his family. And he's not looking for great wealth and great riches. And if that is your attitude when you go to work, then it will be, it's praiseworthy, and it will be good for you. Yesh lomar, osher anefesh im tova chayim ba'olam hazeh. What does it mean, ashrecha v'tovach? So that last point that the Malbim is, is picking up on is that it appears to be here two different things. Ashrecha, praiseworthy, v'tovach, and it is good for you. So the Malbim says that ashrecha means that you'll feel good about it, right? Osher hanefesh, you'll feel good about it. Why will you feel good about it? Feel good about it because working, and I have what to eat and what to feed my family. So I'll feel good about that because I feel like I've achieved and I've accomplished. At the same time, we'll have the good life. Why will we have the good life? Because I got a roof over my head, right? Yeah, it's all right. All right. Yeah, that's how it is. That's what the that's what that's what the Malam said. If you look at the Gemara, the Gemara in Brachas and Ches, the Gemara um darshans this pasuk a little bit differently. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Gemara says that if you look at the first two psukim that we already learned, right, there's the Yare Hashem who's in the first pasuk. And what did David HaMelech say about the Yare Hashem? He said he is Ashrei, praiseworthy, the guy who fears God. Yes? Yes. Yes? Good. Second pasuk, the guy who eats the fruit of his labor, what did David HaMelech say about that guy? Ashrecha Vitovla. It's praiseworthy plus, right? Meaning they're both praiseworthy. The Yare Hashem is praiseworthy. The guy who eats the fruit of his labor, Ashrecha, plus Vitovlach. It's praiseworthy and it's good for you. And so if you look in the Gemara, it's very warm in here, isn't it? If you look in the Gemara, yeah, it is, right? If you look in the, no, you don't have to do anything about it. Well, I mean, unless you know how to do something about it, then, you know, please, thank you, right? You know, but, uh, but um, did that actually work? 
Yes? That's okay. kind of silly. Thank you, folks. Right? Now we'll see how long it takes. But um, but back to the story, right? Ashrecha v'tovlach, right? It's praiseworthy and it's good for you. Look at the Gemara. The Gemara says, Godol hanena miyigia yoser miyare shamayim. Somebody who eats the fruit of his own labor, meaning he works and he and he gets to eat the fruit of his own labor, he's greater than a yare shamayim. To ilu gabe yare shamayim k'siv ashrei ish yare es Hashem. Because by the yare shamayim, it just says, yeah, I think it's working. I, I think, excellent job, thank you. Why, by the yare Hashem, it just says ashrei, it's praiseworthy. But by the second guy who eats the fruit of his labor, it says, double plus. So now we got to ask, why is that? Why is somebody who eats the fruit of his labor better than a Yare Hashem? Because that seems to be what the, that, that is what the Gemara is saying. Somebody who eats the fruit of his labor is better than a Yare Hashem. Why should, why should that be? So I give you two different interpretations. One is from the Znaim Latorah. Now, you remember before I told you that I didn't have Znaim Latorah on the Tehillim, but I do have it on the Kumash. So I couldn't give it to you, the primary source on the Tehillim, but I gave it to you here on the Chumash. And this is very, very cute. And we, cutesy Torah, we haven't really learned so much of that together. But this is very, very cute. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But here you go, you ready? The Moshe Rabbeinu, in Parshat Zezus HaBracha, he uh, gives a bracha to Yisachar and Zavulan, and he gives them brachos together. Anybody know why he gives them brachos together? Exactly, because one sustains the other. Perfect, exactly correct. Correct. Zavulan used to go work. He used to work out on the ships, right? And he worked the business. And while Zavulan was working the business, Yisachar was learning Torah. And they made a partnership, Zavulan and Yisachar. And they said, we'll sit and learn Torah. You support us. Zavulan, right, gave their uh, support to Yisachar. And Yisachar was supposed to share, was supposed to share their, um, their reward and their study of Torah with Zavulan. That's the partnership that they worked out. Moshe Rabbeinu, in discussing Yisachar and Zavulan, he says, Stamach Zavulun b'tseisecha. Zavulun will be happy when he goes out. V'yisachar be'ohalecha. And Yisachar will be in his tents. Everybody here? Zavulun goes out. Yisachar stays in the tent. That's the partnership that they have. Yes? Here's the cute Torah. Ready? Yisrotskin writes like this. Sorry, it's a long text. Zavulun is happy when they go out and Yisachar in his tents. I saw the following interpretation. Zavulun is the one who pays the money. He supports Yisachar who's learning. He'll be happy when he goes out. What does that mean he goes out? Not on the ships. When he dies. When Zvulun dies and he leaves this world, say so, mino olam, and he leaves this world and he goes up to heaven, that's when Zvulun will be happy. Why will Zvulun be happy when he leaves this world and he goes up to heaven? Because he'll get to heaven and he'll find tons of reward for the study of Torah that he didn't learn. Tons of reward for him, for the study of Torah that... He did not sit and, and, and concentrate and study and learn. And why does he get all of that reward? Because he had partnership. Because he was supporting Yisachar. So when will Zvulun be happy? so. Smach Zvulun so. right? Zvulun will be happy when he goes out. When he leaves this world, he goes up to heaven and he sees, oh my gosh, I had all of this reward for stuff that I didn't even do. He supported it, but he didn't do it himself. He'll be very, very happy. Very, very happy. This is where I'm supposed to ask for tzedakah and tell everybody that they have to support the study of Torah and right, you know, everybody understands, right? And then we'll find when we get to heaven, we'll find all of this reward. You know what this is almost like? You know, it's a little bit reminding me. You remember that midrash that we learned last night about um, 
about the, the, the reward of Talmud Torah that the women have, right? You know, because they take care of everything. It's the same construct, right? When they get up to Shamayim, those women are going to see all of this, assuming that their husbands are learning, right? They're going to see all of this, uh, all of this reward, right? That, uh, that they have up in heaven that they didn't even realize because, I, or maybe they did realize, but everyone understands what I'm saying, right? Because that's the partnership. Good. He's going to have his portion from Yisachar's learning. But in this world, <laughs> when is Zavullah going to be happy? He's going to be happy when he leaves this world. But in this world, Zavullah not so happy. How come Zavullah not so happy in this world? He's got to give half of his earnings to his brother Yisachar. And every time he's got to write a check, you know, from, uh, from his account to support his brother Yisachar, he's thinking to himself, he's like, I can't believe I'm giving that guy half my money. Right, so he's not happy when he when he writes the check, but he does it because that's the partnership and that's what they set up. So in this world, Zavulun not as happy, but when he gets to the next world, Smach Zavulun Betzeisecha, Zavulun be very happy when he gets up, when he leaves, when he gets up there and he sees all the reward that he suddenly has. Oh, that's going to make Zavulun very very happy. Are you ready now? That's the first half of the pasuk. Smach Smach Zavulun Betzeisecha. What's the second half? The Yisachar Ba'ohalecha. And Yisachar in his tent. Look at this. Ubi Yisachar ha'hefer. And Yisachar is going to be exactly the opposite. Hu sameach ba'olam He's going to be very happy in this world. What does that mean? Yisachar ba'ohalecha. Where is Yisachar happy? When he's sitting in his tent. Ohalecha. Why is he happy? Kishihu yoshev Because he's sitting and he's learning all day. V'lach bo'nasun u'meimah ve'emanim u'shokin al-dasay ha'torah v'loshun kirdasaparnasa. Because he doesn't have to work. He's got Zavulun who's paying his bills and giving him food. And he just gets to sit in the Beit Midrash and everything is taken care of. He's living the life, right? So, so where is Yisachar going to be happy? Yisachar, Yisachar is going to be happy in this tent. But when Yisachar leaves his tent, meaning when Yisachar dies, and Yisachar heads up to heaven, when he gets up to heaven and he realizes that he's losing half of his reward going to his brother Zavulun, he's not going to be so happy. Yisachar is going to get up there and he's going to see, here's all of this reward for learning Torah. And wait a second, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait where, where are you going with all that? What are you, what are you, why are you wheeling that out of here? Right, you know, where, where are you going with all that? And it's going to Zavulun. And when Yisachar gets up there, he's not going to be as happy. Does everybody see this? Very cute. Yeah, cute, cute. Yeah. I said it was cute. Sounds cute. We're not done yet, though, right? Um, and then if you skip down to the next line, the Amarti, and I thought now, this is where Rizal Mastrasi said, the Amarti, I thought, look, does everyone see where I am in the middle of the next line? With Farish Bazes, the Amar Tehillim Kupchavches, Ashrei Kol Yirei Adonai, Haolech Vidrachav. I thought that this might be an explanation in our Pasuk and Tehillim. Praiseworthy is he who fears God, who walks in God's path. Why? Because you can achieve this in one of two ways. You've got two choices, Maybe there's others. I'm not sure, but he gives you two choices. What are your two choices? How is it that you can live a life that's totally dedicated, right, to uh, to walk in God's path? How could you do such a thing? Aleph, possibility number one. You make a partnership, like Yisachar Zvod. I'm going to live a life that's totally dedicated to the ways of God, and somebody else is going to partner with me to provide for my physical needs. If you do that, you're going to be in the same quandary that we have here with Yisachar Zvul, and you're only going to be half happy. Whichever side you're going to be on, you're only going to be half happy. But there is a second option. There is option B. There is a second option. Second option is 
is to work for yourself, but not to try to amass grasp, you know, grand riches and, and huge wealth, but just to work, to earn a, to earn a living. Work a, however many hours a day you need to work in order to earn a living, so that you could live off of your own work. And the rest of the day and the rest of the night, you study Torah. Don't make any partnerships. And then you won't have to give anything away. In the in the And so that's what he reads over here in this passage. You understand what he's saying? He's saying that Ashrei Kohirei praiseworthy is somebody who fears God, who always walks in God's path. And at the same time, at the same time, he lives off of his own work. Because when you live off of your own work and you're you're constantly focused on the service of God, then you get the best of both worlds. You get to enjoy your own uh, labor in this world. You get to study Torah. In, you get to enjoy your own labor, sorry, in this world. You don't have to um, um, make any deals or partnerships. And you get all of the reward for your study of Torah. Next. But in order to do that, Rabbi Saratskin writes, um, in order to do that, right, similar to what the Malbim told us earlier, in order to do that, right, you have to work in, with a certain mindset that I'm, I'm working to take care of my family, and that's it. And, and if that means I have to work X number of hours, then I work X number of hours. In today's economy, this is a little bit more difficult to achieve than I think historically speaking. Um, what I mean by that is not only because we need more to live the lifestyle that, that, we, that we live, but, but also historically speaking, like if you had a shop or whatever, you were selling something, whatever, you could like stop working. You know, like I, I, I'm selling whatever I sell. I know I need this amount of money for food for, you know, however long, a day, two days, three days, whatever, whatever it is, a week, whatever it is I need. I sell that amount and now I stop. Okay, fine, you know, whatever. And I'll work more next week, you know, or tomorrow, whatever. I'm, I'm done for, I'm done for the day. It, it's not so easy to work like that today, right? You know, like, how do you figure out in like today's modern economy? How do you figure out, you know, like, okay, I've earned X amount of dollars today. Now I can stop working and I'm not going to lose my job for tomorrow. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? It's a little bit more difficult, but but in in maybe it's more difficult in terms of practicality, but in mindset, it's not necessarily more difficult. Meaning, meaning, why am I going to work? What am I trying to achieve? What am I trying to accomplish? If my goals are to achieve and accomplish X, then I'll look to work in this kind of fashion. And if my goals are to achieve and accomplish X plus, then I'll look to work in some other kind of fashion. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So in terms of mindset, right, it's not necessarily um, not necessarily the same. I remember in terms of work mindset, or Pinkus is a very beautiful piece in terms of it's actually not so related here, but just in terms of in terms of mindset, or Pinkus says that that a person should should try to look at their work in terms of chesed. What I mean by that is, let's say, um, um, what are a good example? Alisa, you're a tour guide, right? No, I just made that up. I'm sorry, did I just make that up? You're okay, fine. So you'll be a tour guide. Great. So Lisa will be a tour guide, right? Um, uh, and so, and so, there's two different ways that you can look at your tour guiding. Yes, right. One way you can look at your tour guiding is: I have a job. I need to earn money. So this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm earning money, right? And if you do that, you're fine. It's a good person, you know. Whatever you're earning money, and that's good. Nothing wrong with earning money. It's a good thing. You got to take care of yourself. Got to take care of your family, right? Thumbs up. But there's another way that you can look at tour guiding, and that is: I'm helping people learn about Eretz Yisrael. Okay, good. I get paid for my time. Yes, obviously. But but I'm helping people learn about about Eretz Yisrael, right? And 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 if you if you make that that switch, right? All of a sudden, all of the hours that you work become chesed. They all become chesed. Because what am I doing at work? I'm helping people. That's what I'm doing. I'm helping people. Okay, good. I get paid for my time. That's good. That's good. That's that's, that's fine, right? Side bonus, added benefit. 
right? But but really, my mindset is a mindset of uh, of chesed. And this is, you could do this with a lot of professions. So you know, you could do this with a lot of professions, right? Um, I don't know anybody, anybody who's in the service industry, right? You know, uh, you do it. I don't know hedge funds, maybe a little bit more difficult. But uh, but I'm sure if we thought about it long enough, I don't really know what they do. So forget, you know, whatever. But uh, but you know, that's true. You know, whatever. I'm not financially whatever. Uh, that, that's not the point. The point is that that if we can make this shift in mindset. It's just a shift in mindset. It doesn't change anything. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? You're doing the exact same thing, but a shift in mindset, and it, and it changes everything, right? Because all of a sudden now, all of the hours that I spend, right, at work, all just became chesed. They all just became, because what am I trying to do at work? I'm trying to help you out. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to help you out, right? And um, they say that um, uh, I, I, I did not go to the yeshiva here in Haratzion. But they say the Ravar and Lichtenstein used to counsel people to try to find jobs that were chesed, that were chesed, right? Meaning, um, uh, meaning being a doctor is better than being a lawyer. Is that okay? I'm not insulted, right? Is that okay? Fine. Everybody understands that kind of construct, right? But I think the Rabbi Pinkus would look at it differently. I think the Rabbi Pinkus would say it doesn't matter what your profession is; it matters what your mindset is. If my mindset is that I'm trying to do chesed, I'm trying to help people, then your whole your whole business. Right, becomes a business of chesed, and this is the most amazing part of what Rabbi Pinka says: is that that God looks at it that way too. And if my mindset is not that way, if my mindset is that I'm trying to earn money, right, then then God looks at it that way also. That's kind of remarkable. It by the way, it also changes the way you do business. It does. It changes the way you do business. You know, like the the kinds of interactions that you have with people. If my mindset is that I'm trying to to do chesed, if my mindset is that, uh, and it doesn't mean you have to let people take advantage of you. That, that's Right, you know, everyone understands what I'm saying, right? But uh, but it changes the way that you that you look at things. In any event, back to our story, right? In terms of mindset, right, of uh, of work, um, both the Malbim and Rabbi Sarotsky, and they both write that um, that it could be that what David Amelech is suggesting is that if you want to be somebody who is Yorei Hashem, Olech Bedrachav, right, your best path is Yagia Kapecha Kitocha, work so that you have what you need. And if you work just so that you have what you need, and then you could spend the rest of your time studying Torah and doing mitzvot, ashrecha v'tovla. Then this is this is not only praiseworthy, but it's also tovla. As opposed to somebody who's just Yerei Hashem but needs help and assistance from somebody else to take care of them because they're just Yerei Hashem, they're just fearing God, and they're, and they're not taking care of themselves, they're not eating from them. That's ashrei, ashrei, that's good, that's ashrei, but it's not ashrecha v'tovla. It's not, the, it's not the, the double plus. It's not the bonus. Does that all make sense? Everybody with me? Good? Yeah? All right. If you turn the page over, has a different interpretation. And um, I'm very fond of this interpretation, actually, because I find it to be very true um, from my life experience. So um, so if you remember, the Gemara said that uh, the, the fellow who is kitocha, um, that he eats the fruit of his labor, is better than the Yorei Hashem. The Yorei Hashem is just Ashrecha. Yeah? But the guy who is um, who is eats the fruit of his labor, he is Ashrecha V'tovlach. He's, he's better. So, so Chaim Shulevitz writes on the top of the page, because somebody who um, who eats the fruit of his labor, he sees clearly that his efforts in business to be successful, they accomplish very little. Why does he see that clearly? I don't know, anybody here do business? I've seen this in my business life. You're working on one thing, and you think this is going to be the thing, and you're trying, and you're trying, and you're trying, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, 
something else comes out of nowhere. I don't know where this came from. And that's the thing that's successful. And this thing that I was working on, maybe it's successful, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not sure, right? But but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm trying this and this ends up working out. Anybody have any similar business experience? I see some people shaking their heads. Some people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? Rechayi Shulevet says, somebody who is, who is, uh, who is um, somebody who works, somebody who, who, who has business, they're much better than a Yorei Hashem. You know why they're much better than a Yorei Hashem? Because they live Yorei Hashem. They live it. They live it. In, in, their, in their life experience and through their business endeavors, they realize that we're so involved on God. Somebody sits in the Beit Midrash all day, and you know uh, he's living on a, on a salary and a, and a stipend, and, uh, and uh, he has Yorei Hashem. He has Yorei Hashem. He has Yorei Hashem. But he doesn't appreciate Yorei Hashem. He doesn't appreciate how contingent we are on God's hand and success like somebody who's out there in the business world. Somebody who's out there in the business world feels it every single day that our efforts and energies are contingent on, uh, on, on, God's, on God's making us successful. And that's why the guy who is he's he's better than the Yorei Hashem who's just sitting in the Beit Midrash because he actually has greater sense of Yorei Hashem. He has greater sense of Yorei Hashem because he, he lives it and he learns it from his own, his own life his own life experience. Good. Um, let's let's go to let's go to the next part. So David Melech says that Eshtecha ki gefen poriyah biarkesei beisecha banecha kishesile zeitim daviv l'shulchanecha. So again, remember we ask these questions already, right? Your wife is like a grapevine who's giving uh, um, uh, fruit, and uh, your kids are like uh, olives that are sitting around your table. And why why grapes and why uh, and why and why olives? So if you look at the Malbim, I'm not going to read it to you right now, but it's right there on the page. If you look at the Malbim, the Malbim writes, "You ever see grapevines?" And I know that if you live in this area. You've seen grapevines, yeah? You you plant a grapevine, and what does it do? It grows up. Not only does it grow up, but it also spreads out. So from one grapevine, you get protection and cover for this whole area. And Malvin says that's what a person wants from, from his wife. He wants his wife to anchor the house, see that vine, and then spread and protect the whole the whole area. He doesn't mean like protect like this, although maybe fine, you know, good, you know, that that too, right? Right? That's 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 okay. But he means that her influence spreads in the in the whole house and it covers the the whole family. So this fellow who is who is Yari Hashem and Holech Bidracha, who's working in Yegiya Kapecha Kitocha, Ashrecha Vitovlach, and he should be so lucky that he gets this following bracha, that Ashtecha Kigefen Poriyah Biarkisei Besecha. That uh, that his that his his wife literally Eshtecha that's what he's talking about his wife will not only be kigef and poriyah right like a like a fruit bearing uh, vine meaning that they'll have children not only but biarkisei besecha that it will spread over from the from from wherever you plant it it will spread over and it will protect and influence the entire house by the way for all of the the ladies here um, I imagine that the married ladies know this already I imagine the single ladies might not know this already but um, the the mood in most, or many, I can't say most, the mood in many homes, right, is more affected by the woman of the house than by the man of the house. And the emotions, this, I don't know, this, no, am I, am I saying something that's like a tremendous kiddish here? I don't think so. And that the, the emotions that are spread into the home by the, by the woman of the, of the house spread further than the, further, farther, further, what's further? I don't know what the right English is. Further. Further? Thank you. Right? Than, than the emotions of the of the man of the home. And okay. that's and that what? You know, you're, you're trusting me, right. And that's and that's okay. It doesn't make a difference. Right. One one is one is about degree and one is about distance. And I don't remember which one is which. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It's not the point. 
Everyone knows what I'm talking about, whether or not I can speak English properly is less important. Um, it's important, but it's less, I didn't just say that. I did not just it's important. Yeah, yeah, it is, right? So <laughs> you can't bring your kids anywhere. You ever, you know what I mean? So the, the bracha, the bracha is, right? That, that this fellow will have a wife that anchors in the home and spreads influence, you know, uh, beyond and, and provides this shade and protection Right and spiritual and physical. Um, what the word I'm looking for is, you know, but uh, but feeling and uh, and support and uh, and influence for for him and for the rest of his family. It's actually a quite lovely kind of uh, image, at least I think. So, right. Um, and your children will be like olives. Why are your children like olives? Because olives don't take. Grass. Grass, exactly right. That's what the Malvin says. I don't know if it's true or not. I've never tried. But maybe if we go to those farmers, we could we could ask them, right? You know, what well, it, it means that that olives, the, the Malvin says that olives don't accept grass. It means that you can take part of a tree and graft it, it means to attach it onto a different tree. Like you can uh make a uh, um a nectarine or a pluot, right? By or or, or an Asian pear. Right by combining different trees, right? You can you can sometimes combine the same tree, right, to make a stronger, better kind of tree, right? Um, you know, uh, but sometimes you can combine two different kinds of trees. It's called kilayim, by the way. We're not allowed to do it, but you're allowed to eat fruit. You're just not allowed to um to graft the the trees together. Once upon a time, fellow asked me. It was actually during COVID because people were like getting into gardening and stuff like that. And a fellow asked me if he could plant a tree in his in his yard. It was called a cocktail tree. And so it's, you can look it up later. It's a real thing. And on the same tree, it grows like four or five different kinds of fruit. It's the same. They call it a cocktail tree. You get it? Because you can make a cocktail from the fruit of the tree. It's a really cool kind of concept, right? You know, you know what I mean? It's kilayim. It's kilayim, right? Because they what they do is they graft onto the same trunk they graft different kinds of branches and you end up with all of this different kind of fruit sometimes you end up with with new fruits right you know like a, like an asian pear is a graft of an apple and a pear i believe right and they they put it together right we just got one recently what did we just have recently it was a graft of an apricot and a peach maybe something we just had it recently it was eh, it was fine whatever it was fine it wasn't like amazing, but it was okay, you know, whatever, right? But okay, fine. But but apparently, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what the Malvin says, so I believe him, right? Olives don't accept grafts. You cannot graft something onto an olive tree. The olive tree will reject the graft. It won't, it won't take it. And so why does he say that your kids will be like olives sitting around your table because they'll follow in your path. They'll sit around your table and they won't accept outside influence. People will try. They'll try to, you know, push something in, and your kids will reject it, and they'll sit around your table. So you have this wife who is who is growing up and out and spreading and protecting, and you have kids who are strong and 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 able to reject outside influence and and sit, you know, together, which is also very lovely, right? You know, around your around your table. It's a, it's a lovely bracha, yeah. Right, so 
right? Uh, it's, a, it's a very lovely image and picture of the of the family life. And so, Hine, behold, so is the, the blessing of uh, of the fellow who fears God. Now, if you look in Ibn Ezra, Radak, and Malvim, they all understood this phrase differently. What does it mean, Yivorach Gevra Yirei Hashem? Ibn Ezra says, These are the brachos that the Yirei Shemayim asks. This is what he wants. Zos, right? Does everybody understand what he's saying? This is what the Yirei Hashem asks for. These are his tefillahs. This is what he's hoping for. The Radaki says, These are the brachas that he gets. These are the brachas that he gets. Not the brachas that he asks for. These are the brachas that he gets. And if you look in the Malbim, the Malbim writes something different. I'll just tell you what he says. Sorry, I'm not going to read it inside, but it's right here if you want to. Mom says, no, these are the brachas that he gives. These are the things that he gives to the world. What does he give? They have to read the next psukim to understand like Malbim. Malbim thinks it's looking forward, not looking back at the psukim that we just read. We're looking forward to the next psukim. And what are those psukim? What are these? What are these brachos? What are the brachos? The brachos are that you get blessed from God. Mitzion. Why do God's brachos come mitzion? Yes, exactly right, Lisa. Very perfect. Exactly right. right. If you look in Rashi right here, Rashi writes, Mitzion, Shehush. Did we learn that together? No, okay, good. Good for you. Good. Amazing. Right? Mitzion, I would have felt better. But it's okay. Fine. Right? It's good also. Mitzion, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Mitzion, Shehusharashamayim. Rashi says, and this, there's more Rashi. I'm sorry, I didn't put them on the page. Rashi in a few different places writes the same thing that Yerushalayim is the gateway to heaven. It means, Rashi says it goes in both directions, by the way, up and down. When, when 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 we dive into Kodesh Baruch Hu, doesn't matter where we dive. We dive in here in Efrat, you dive in New Jersey, you dive, it doesn't make a difference where you dive. In. Our tefillahs travel to Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim is the gateway to heaven. From Yerushalayim, the tefillahs go up to Shemayim. That's that's what Rashi believes. That's what remember when Yaakov has his dream and he wakes up and he says, um, Yerushalayim is the gateway to heaven. That, that's by Yerushalayim. If you dive in at Marat HaMechpelah in Hebron, your tefillahs go to Yerushalayim and they go up from there. Have you What? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I didn't know what you were talking about. That's why I have it for that. Right? Okay, very good. Right? Very excellent. Right? Good. Right now, Rashi also believes that the same is true in the reverse. When God sends bracha down into the world, he sends it down to Yerushalayim and from there, it spreads out. So you have a when I meet Sion, God will bless us from Sion, because that's where the bracha is going to come. And it'll come down at Sion, and then it's going to spread out from there. Oh, if you look in the Radak, I skipped the Radak, I'm sorry. Amazing. Yeah, you see that? You'll get to see in the good of Yerushalayim. What does that mean? You'll see in the good of Yerushalayim. The Radak says to see in the good of Yerushalayim means to receive the return of the Jews to Yerushalayim. Uh, to see the return of the Jews to Yerushalayim. I was driving with a tower in Yerushalayim today because we, we whatever, I took a tower to school today and she goes to school in Malaya Dumim. So we were we were driving through Yerushalayim and uh, and we were marveling at how the, the, like, the traffic is like not what you're used to. It's like, well, you, see, you say it's amazing. It's amazing for travel and for, for, for getting from point A to point B, but there's something very sad about being on streets that you're used to seeing crowded and, and seeing them empty. 
something very sad about that, right? You know, we haven't done yet Tehillim Kuchav Beis together. We will at some point. We'll get there eventually, right? But uh, but David Amalek says, Omdos that our people stand in the gates of Yerushalayim. And I think it's Radach, maybe it's Ibn Ezra. I don't remember. I'm sorry, but when we learn it, we'll see it inside. One of them says that, what does that mean? It means that there's going to be traffic in Yerushalayim. Our feet are going to stand because there's going to be traffic. In Yerushalayim. All right, we'll get to it when we get there. But there's something sad about, about having the street. Although, it was convenient because we got there and back very, very quickly, you know. But what is the good of Yerushalayim? The good of Yerushalayim is to see it full. The good of Yerushalayim is to see everybody returning. The good of Yerushalayim is to see it being rebuilt. That's the good of Yerushalayim, and that's the bracha that this guy gets. He gets the bracha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the bracha that he gets is, You get to see the good of, uh, of Yerushalayim. And and then if you look at the very, very end of the Malvin, the, the, the very end of the Radak, sorry, just go to the, the, the second to last line. Right, so Vizel the Kibbutz Goliath, you see where I am. The Kibbutz Goliath will see the return of the Jews to Yerushalayim. Im Yavua if you merit to be alive when Mashiach comes. The Im Lav, but if if you're already dead, right? You know you missed it. You know what I mean? Then how do you get this bracha? God will bring you back. And that's why David Amelach says, "Re'eva tov Yerushalayim, Kol Yemechayecha." Does that mean Kol Yemechayecha? It means if you're alive, good. And if you're not, you'll come back. You'll see it then. You'll see it then. So this guy gets a grand bracha. The bracha is that he'll get to see the geula. If he's alive, he'll get to see the geula. If he's not alive, he'll come back to get to see the geula. And we'll get to see sons to our sons. Peace on Israel. Let's skip for once. i got to show you one more thing. There's Oznayim Latorah on the bottom. This this Zonsarim totally caught me off guard when I when I read it. Is everybody ready? Just on, on the very, very bottom. Yeah, so, so you see the very end, you'll see sons to your sons, peace unto Israel. And so he asked, I didn't give you the question here, and I apologize for that. What are these two? Do these two things have anything to do with each other? Right? I'll see sons to my sons, I'll see my grandkids, Shalom al Yisrael, peace will be on Israel. Do those two things relate to each other? Is everybody with me? There are two different brachos. I'll get to see my grandkids, it's great. There'll be peace on Israel, it's also great. Do they have anything to do with each other? Look at this. I don't know if this will, will relate to you or, or not, but, but look at what he writes. Caught me totally off guard. When is it that having sons and grandsons, when is that a blessing? That's only when there's peace for the Jewish people. Then it's good to have sons and grandsons. But at times of war, and you have to send your son out to battle, then it's, it's not such a bracha to have sons. And people at that moment, they'd rather if they would have had daughters and only daughters. I have five daughters. I don't know what I know, but I also have a son. Right? And so this bracha, it all goes together. It's you'll get to see your sons and your grandsons, Shalom al Yisrael, and you never have to send them out to war. They'll get to stay home in peace. It's amazing, yeah? Totally, I, I thought caught me totally, totally off guard, right? When I when I read it, but it caught me totally off guard. And so David Amelech here writes, a tefillah, a tefillah for the Yare Hashem and the whole Echvedrachav, the tefillah for somebody who follows in God's path, the tefillah for somebody who builds his life against staying away from bad and striving towards good, who eats the labor of his own hand because he doesn't want to take from anybody else. He doesn't want to have to have to rely on anybody else. He eats from his own hand and so he maximizes the reward that he gets in the next world and he should merit, he should merit. We should, we should, we should merit. 
to follow in that path, and we should merit to have families that look like this, families that have strong support, that spread, and that protect us and provide a nurturing environment for the whole family, children who sit around our table, who can reject outside influence and continue our, our legacy and our, our teaching and our, and our way of life. Right, we should receive this this bracha of Yivarech Hashem Itzion that we should we should see the Jewish people return, come back, continue to rebuild Yerushalayim. We should see our kids and our grandkids, and we should never have to send them. That's the hill in Kufchaches. Let's say the tefillah together, everybody. Ready? Eshtecha gegefen poria biarkise besecha, Banecha kishesile zesim, Sabibli shokhanecha, Kinei chichen, Yivarach gever, Yirei Adonai, Yivarech Adonai mitzion, Rei betov Yerushalayim, Kol yemei chayecha, Urei vanim levanecha, Shalom al Yisroel. Achenu kol besisan, Sunu batzarov, Asheb yom din bein bayom, Ubein bayavashat. Thank you very much, everybody. Everybody have a great night.